Join us now for Health for Life, brought to you by Hamilton Healthcare System. Today we're talking with Dr. Ashish Kabir of Hamilton Physician Group in Dalton. Dr. Kabir is a neurologist at Hamilton Physician Group Neurology. He and Dr. Juan Gonzalez diagnose, treat, and manage issues related to the brain, spinal cord, nerves, and muscles. They specialize in the care and treatment of Alzheimer's disease, Parkinson's disease, seizure disorders, migraines, carpal tunnel syndrome, and strokes. Today, Dr. Kabir will be talking with us about the mechanism of Alzheimer's disease. Dr. Kabir, how does Alzheimer's disease affect the brain? So it is um, quite the uh, question that affects so many families now. So I'll try to give you our understanding of what we think is going on as we try to unravel these complex brain changes. So what happens is um, changes in the brain that begin maybe a decade or more before symptoms appear lead to typically the patient seeking some care. So during these very early stages of Alzheimer's, what we start seeing um, is toxic changes that begin to appear. Uh, typically, this involves abnormal buildup of protein that might form what we call amyloid plaques and tau tangles. These are typically proteins that cause otherwise healthy cells to die. And uh, the proteins otherwise are actually normally there. They're not abnormal proteins from somewhere else or anything, but what it is is they usually either change conformation or become toxic to the cells. And as a result of this, um, these brain cells die. They lose connections with other brain cells. And as time passes, um, they become a part of many other complex brain changes as well. The damage initially um, takes place in Alzheimer's disease in particular in a couple of areas called the hippocampus, uh, the amygdala, and the entorhinal cortex. And what these parts do is they're essential for forming uh, particularly short-term memory. As the brain cells die or neurons die, additional parts of the brain start to become affected. If you look at an MRI or something of the brain, the brain starts to look smaller and it looks like it shrinks. And by the final stages of the disease, um, the damage is widespread and it's actually difficult to uh, figure out what started first. Um, but if you look at the brain, it looks significantly shrunk. So it, it actually does shrink? It does. We, um, you know, get a lot of this information from autopsies of patients who have died at various stages, and that's when we look at their brains under slides, and that's where we get some of the stuff from. And yeah, by volume, the brain itself does shrink. Wow. Uh, now, are there early signs of Alzheimer's disease? Yes. So as a type of dementia, there's loss of thinking, remembering, reasoning skills, and when they start to interfere with a person's daily life and activities is usually when people uh, notice. It's the most common cause of dementia among older people. So it's uh, it oftentimes people write it off as, you know, uh, oh, I'm just getting old, etc. But this is more than that. This is someone who a year ago was able to do certain things that the same task they couldn't do, you know, a little while later. And typically, it tends to be more complex tasks, such as driving and things like that, that get affected first. But, you know, I mean, what you notice are the memory things that we talked about earlier, like, you know, family members' names that you should be familiar with, mm -hmm. or friends, or locations, things like that. Yeah. You start forgetting things that would normally be just you know, right there in front of you all the time. Right. right. Yeah, I understand. What are uh, some of the stages? Are there stages in Alzheimer's disease? Yes, yeah. So we, we typically divide um, Alzheimer's uh, based on how you're doing clinically. Um, uh, by that, I mean the preclinical stage or early uh, Alzheimer's can actually have very few symptoms at all. Uh, it's what we would call mild Alzheimer's disease. And then there's moderate and severe. 
during the preclinical stages, people are symptom-free, but the toxic changes that we talked about earlier have actually already begun. And uh, they may show some of the signs that we talked about, about memory issues and things like that. But generally, these patients are typically very functional. They are able to go around their day. They just sometimes get frustrated that it's not as easy for them as it used to be. As the disease progresses to the middle and more severe um, uh, stages, you start having problems recognizing family and friends. Eventually, we start noticing in the later, later stages, um, inability to communicate. Sometimes there's neuropsychiatric manifestations, so, you know, mood changes, things like that. Patients may forget to eat, sleep properly, and have trouble swallowing, and now it's gotten very severe at this point. Now, what are some of the causes? If, if we know of the causes of Alzheimer's disease, yeah. what are some of those? Well, we certainly think that there's uh, a lot of underlying pathology that we still need to figure out. But as far as we know, as far as we've been able to, we're pretty sure at least about a couple of things. So in people with early onset Alzheimer's, there are genetic mutations that probably contribute to some of these changes that I'm going to talk about in a second. But late onset Alzheimer's probably is a more complex series of brain changes, and these occur over decades. So the causes include genetic, environmental, lifestyle factors. And, you know, the importance of these factors varies in terms of increasing or decreasing the risk of developing Alzheimer's. And, um, you know, in person to person, you you really can get very different manifestations. Within the same family, uh, you know, you might have people in the same family that share the same sort of very complicated history of Alzheimer's, but they might be very different in terms of who gets what. The Which is part of genetics. It is part of genetics, yes. So um, the I, guess, I think what that actually goes to say is how much the environment and diet and exercise, things like that, contribute to um, the progression of the disease. But we do know for a fact that some of the changes that we see include what we call uh, plaques, tau tangles, and some biological features. And what these are, what I was talking about earlier, about changes at the brain cell level. So there is injury to those brain cells that we can see. So we have new imaging techniques and new pathology, which allow us to see the development and spread of these abnormal changes, um, in particular, two things called amyloid and tau, uh, which uh, we can see without uh, the person having to, well, pass away first. So we can actually image the patient to see these changes. And um, what we can do is if we can start identifying the disease earlier uh, with imaging, which we've been able to do more and more now, uh, we can collect fluid to confirm our diagnoses and uh, obtain imaging of different types to confirm our diagnoses to make, you know, uh, figuring out the disease a little bit earlier. So we do want to know why this disease tends to affect older adults more, but um, there's a lot of research that's happening to Mm -hmm. try to explore this question. We know for a fact that certain diets have been proven to uh, slow the progression of the disease and delay the onset. So these are very important um, to bring up with uh, patients who have strong family histories, for example, right? So if you say, you know, um, you don't have any signs right now, but you have this very strong family history, maybe you might want to consider a Mediterranean diet or something along those lines um, because, um, you know, uh, this may make a substantial difference as to whether or not you develop those same brain changes. You know, that is is wonderful thing to know. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's, it's very, very exciting to be able to modify um, someone's disease course early on, right? You really give them that quality sure. of life. 
Now, Dr. Kabir, I know you treat patients with Alzheimer's disease. Can you tell us what treatments are available today? Yes, and this is the exciting part for me, of course. Um, you know, there's no cure yet um, for Alzheimer's disease per se. There's nothing that reverses the changes in the cells that are already there. But um, the FDA, the Food and Drug Administration, has uh, approved several drugs to treat the symptoms of Alzheimer's disease. And some of these have been approved for many years. More recently, we are um, definitely looking at medications that uh, that slow the progression of Alzheimer's disease too. So there are those medications? So we definitely have at least one medication that the FDA has approved to uh, try to slow the course of the disease. Um, and what this does is actually target the underlying pathology, some of those tangles and proteins uh, that we talked about. Um, we'll definitely be getting into that a little bit more, but for years, uh, what's been available is medications to control the symptoms. Uh, most of my patients really like these medications. They're very clean, typically, from a a side effect perspective. Mm -hmm. And what they can do is they can not so much reverse the pathology that's happening, but they can uh, clinically improve outcomes. Your concern is memory issues. Your memory doesn't get worse quite as fast, if that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. What about new treatments that are on the horizon? Maybe maybe things that we haven't seen yet. Yes. So we are targeting um, the uh, buildup of this abnormal proteins. And we're always looking at anything that we can uh, target from a genetic perspective as well. But as far as uh, the buildup of the proteins, there is a drug that recently got approved and there's a number of other drugs in the pipeline that uh, the FDA is studying so that they can be um, classified as both safe and effective in reducing the progression of the disease. It is very different in many patients. Uh, From one patient to another, this disease can be very different. And so what you want to do is make sure that you're prescribing something that's going to help a broad uh, section. You've identified those patients properly and that the benefits of the treatment outweigh the risks. So we're working on that. What about treatment for the behavioral aspects of Alzheimer's disease? We definitely have a number of available um, treatments for this that are very effective. Medications uh, address sleeplessness, wandering, agitation, aggression. And we are working on trying to understand why these uh, symptoms occur in this patient population. But uh, behavioral modification is very important too. You may have heard the term sundowning, which is, you know, uh, where uh, older patients who are not used to uh, location changes do worse when the light goes down. You know, uh, when you become in a when you come in a dark place, you might have visual problems as well, and you don't know where you are. It can imp- and can worsen agitation, and addressing those kinds of exposure changes can make a big difference as well. Well, that's all encouraging information. Thank you so much for joining us and sharing this great information with us today. Before you leave, can you leave our listeners with a, a word of advice when it comes to Alzheimer's disease? Absolutely. I think the most important thing to remember is that identifying the diagnosis really does open up a a world of possibilities in terms of slowing the progression of the disease, addressing symptoms that are available, and really improving quality of life. Um, so really, this doesn't have to be a uh, as disastrous as uh, it has been even five years ago. Uh, we're just really excited to be able to offer all these options for our patients. Thank you, Dr. Kabir. For more information or an appointment at Hamilton Physician Group Neurology, call 706-275-6121 or visit hamiltonhealth.com neurology. This program in no way seeks to diagnose or treat illness or to replace professional medical care. Please see your health care provider if you have a health problem. Thank you for listening to Health for Life, a presentation of Hamilton Healthcare System. 